0: Welcome to the Side Talks podcast.
1: That's a lot of energy you're bringing today. Yeah, come on. Okay. No. I can't do it. I can't do it.
0: Don't do it. Don't do it. We're uh, here up, to talk dogs? about movies.
1: Oh. I just I'm, that's all I got for you today. What's up, Dingdong?
0: I'm Rachel Morgan.
1: I'm Corey Craft. Um,
0: this is an introduction to a podcast.
1: Yeah, the Talks podcast where we talk about movies and how sleepy we are. Actually, I'm not going to talk about how sleepy I am. I'm going to rally, folks. I'm going to rally just for you, dear listener, because I value what you um, are doing here, which is listening to my voice. You certainly don't have to. And the fact that you've chosen to is bizarre. And I appreciate let's it. Get,
0: let's get this going
1: okay i'm rerouting you (laughs) okay
0: um yeah let's talk about movies
1: movies get ready for a five minute fight
0: five minute round one fight Fight. well Corey, guess what it's time for
1: it's time for a five Five minute minute fight. fight that's right
0: and i just want you to know i'm still dealing with some pollen that's not an excuse aren't we all It's not an excuse, but um, I'm under the weather a little bit. Anyway, I'm also still pissed from last week. Sam, I want you to... Sam's here today. I want you to know that at some point here, I want you to listen to the Demi Moore five-minute fight, and then I want you to to weigh in, because Brad was wrong, and I want a second opinion.
1: So... In a moment, we're going to play some hype music. Is your hype song this week, Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake? Shut the fuck up.
0: (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Actually, actually, Brad, could you go ahead and play my hype music in your face, bitch? In your face. I know I said Corey's first, but now I want in your face. Okay, now you can do Corey's.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm hyped up. I added something You added something? (laughs) Just wait (laughs) (laughs) Got a little uh, TV on the radio and a wolf howl there um, Because I have the music taste of a 36 year old hipster weirdo Because that's what I am
0: I took some liberty I took some artistic license with with the little snippet there
1: TV on the radio is coming after you now but uh, probably, probably because
0: start the clock of your um, bad but-
1: opinion on this movie okay. that we're about to fight about.
0: So the clock has started. We've both got our hype music. We won't always do that, but I think every once in a while. We should throw that out there.
1: All right, Moo Moo, do you hear that? Do you know what's saying Moo Moo? A sacred cow, because you're yep. trying to take down a sacred cow here today by going after, admittedly, a movie I hadn't seen until last week, so I can't really crow too much what? about his masterpiece You status. agreed to
0: argue um, this us before you'd seen it? No, I
1: no, I saw it last week. Uh. Um, but um, we're talking about Rob Reiner's mm. 1986 masterpiece. Yeah, I dropped the M word. Stand by me. Ooh, no, child. I love Stephen King. I love Stephen King's novella, The I read it for the first time when I was in high school, and yet somehow I had avoided seeing this movie until fairly recently. And when I saw it, I loved it. Um, Look, Reiner is a filmmaker who has a lot of ups and a whole lot of downs, but when he was on fire, which is that stretch of time between, let's say, This Is Spinal Tap and, I don't know, debatably, A Few Good Men, virtually all of those are bangers, and Stand By Me is no exception. This is a film that comes closer to capturing what makes Stephen King a wonderful chronicler of the youth and young life. Um, than just about any movie that I've seen. And the four kids are crazy <clears throat> good in this. River Phoenix is amazing. You know, Jerry O'Connell, Corey Feldman, Will Wheaton, all four of them Will are excellent. Wheaton, Will excellent. Wheaton is
0: like, it's like a, pouring a bowl of cornflakes. Yeah, but he's, he's the playing, worst. He's he's playing
1: the, worst. The, the quote unquote straight man. He's the narrator. He is the, the character oh, ding, who ding, is ding. suffering um, from his parents' lack of attention due to the Death of his older brother, played by John Cusack, and some flashbacks, and then you've got Kiefer Sutherland. You just being named two super... of my problems. Okay, Kiefer Sutherland be- being super menacing as the villain. I mean, this thing is just indelible. It's beautiful. It's really well written. It's really well directed. Lay out your problems.
0: Well, my first problem is flashbacks. My second problem is narration. Mm, it's a the narration's bummer. good. This movie is a bummer. No, it really is like it. It's like a kind of a one of the mediocre episodes of the Wonder Years is what it reminds me of. Oh
1: fuck that. Come <laughs> it really, on. It really it really is. Mediocre episode of the Wonder Years
0: this was my brother's favorite film for a good, like, you know, a couple of years in his junior high school days. Uh-huh. It's a boy movie. It's cheesy. It's overly uh, it's overly sentimental. I did enjoy the short story that this is based yeah, on. I great. did not enjoy this film.
1: I, I don't think it's overly sentimental. I think it avoids a it's lot of so the sentimental like, like pitfalls. This that is the tone of the film. The tone like of the
0: film is this.
1: No, come on.
0: It's not fun. It's, it's a o- bummer. It's depressing. And it kind of promises it, fun.
1: It, Is it sentimental or is it depressing? It's both. Hmm.
0: It's sentimental and depressing. That happens a lot.
1: I disagree. You might have been depressed, but I don't think it's depressing.
0: I was depressed because it depressed me. Mm. It's, a, it's a bummer. It's a bummer in a movie. Telling a story through a flashback is just a crutch. Telling a story through voiceover is just a crutch. And here we have both of those things working. It is, it's just got this serious vibe. And you know what it, what it kind of vibes like to me? Uh-huh. It vibes to me like, you know what? This is a sort of pre-sketchy kind of outline of what I want it to be. I That's mean, how it feels.
1: Yes, to some degree, but it kind of reads that way on the page. And also, I where do I begin? Um, I think that first of all, the voiceover narration is important to sort of capture that Stephen Kingian tone of our main character, as is often the case in King's fiction, a writer looking back on his childhood and writing about it. And obviously, that works on the page boring come on it works in the page brilliantly because it's on the page Ooh, does it though but in the film translated to voiceover through richard dreyfus and oh, this okay. occasional You're just... voiceover narration did everybody I think hear it, that it voiceover very very well. by
0: richard dreyfus he's great He's he's a great This is another here. one of those 80s films that's winking back to the 50s. It's just a period piece that doesn't even feel like a period. It doesn't feel like the correct period. It feels like it misses what the, you know, what the sort of aesthetic and feeling of the 50s was. It feels very much like a 1950s and the 80s kind of thing. I think it's again. I think it's really, really overly sentimental, overly cheesy, overly dull. And the and I take a real issue with the with the dumbest part of the whole thing, which is the pie eating competition, which is not funny and kind of I think is supposed to be. I think it's and pretty funny. It's it's just it's over color corrected. It has all the stereotypes. It's like oh, there's the fat kid, you know. There's the this. There's the that. And it just kind of doesn't work with the rest of the film. Mm. And this like I'm a storyteller kind of thing. Uh-huh. You like this scene?
1: Yeah. A lot. It feels lifted almost verbatim from the page. And I am, you know, in the tank enough for King that any time a film approximates or, in this case, I think directly translates his style of storytelling to the screen, I appreciate it a great deal. And I appreciated this movie. And I think this movie uh, is rightly considered in the upper tier of King's adaptation,
0: feels like forced nostalgia. I disagree. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, they shouldn't have strapped you to a chair, a la A Clockwork Orange, and forced you to watch this. That's that's like. the only it's reason it, it feels was forced, like. I guess. Nobody's forcing you. You're not being marched into a theater.
0: I think you misunderstood the words. Yeah, it's misunderstanding the words that are coming out of my mouth. So I'm just gonna let it go. Mm.
2: Well referee here um i'm actually wearing a striped white and black shirt you just can't tell that's Um, true he is audio only podcast um okay so Corey's moo moo sacred cow intro was pretty good not gonna lie i gotta give that like a thousand bonus points maybe um Really? And I, I, I don't know. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> I really don't think it's Rob Reiner's best. Um, just looking at the rest of his filmography, there's no way it's like top five. I don't know. Um, and the child cast is wonderful to Corey's point. But I mean, just who knew the wildly differing career path that each one would take afterwards? Um, I I'm, could tell. <laughs> looking at <laughs> hindsight 2020. Why will we? Uh, weirdly, debatably, the
1: most <laughs> successful cast member is Jerry O'Connell, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's probably that's accurate. Point, oh, sad. Um,
2: I really am torn on this one. Like, I, it's not a capital M masterpiece, like Corey said, but it, and yeah, it's depressing as fuck. Like, It's such a bummer, um, like Rachel yeah. said. Um, it's overly saccharine and sentimental. Um, it really was neck and neck to the finish line, but I gotta call the win for Corey. Just like, not even by like a thousand points, just like a single point here, Corey wins.
1: I still take issue with some of the <laughs> shit you just said though. He still like,
0: won. He's not happy. See? He can't be happy. Just be just take the Stand win. Stand by
1: me, Corey. Mm. Well Damn. Just okay, take I'll the win. take the W. He's standing by you with but, a single point. Yeah. Well,
0: Those glasses, those glasses they've got on River Phoenix. It's so... River
1: Phoenix is so good in this movie, I'm not going
0: to deny that. I think he's pretty much good in everything he does. It doesn't make this film. Mm.
1: Also, this isn't top five Rob Reiner. If this isn't top five Rob Reiner, what the fuck is top five Rob Reiner? The story of us? Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, Yeah.
2: Also, it's about kids finding a dead body. It's not a good look for the South. We don't need that. It takes place it. in
1: Oregon. <laughs> we don't need that. Um, also, um, Sam really loves North. I guess Sam's a big time North fan. Sam really likes ghosts you would of think Mississippi. That Corey lost um, the way he's talking. What are some you other won. Rob Reiner movies? Flipped, which is a movie nobody saw. <laughs> Sam really loves it. Or that LBJ movie that he made in secret with Woody Harrelson as as Lyndon B Johnson. I can keep naming Rob Reiner movies off the top of my head.
0: You won, but you're moving. Sam, you want to take that one point away?
2: No. I Actually, I'm close to it. Um, This is Spinal Tap, Princess Bride. Come on. Those are better than
1: Stand By Me. Yes. But Stand By Me is a close third. Uh, You, and this is appropriate, Meathead. See what I did there, everybody? See what I did there, everybody? It's a reference to Rob Reiner and that role he played on that sitcom. Am
2: I right?
0: That's about the humor that I find in STEM. By me.
2: Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker.
1: Uh, uh, of, uh, <laughs> Here come Foxtrot.
2: Man, that's weird.
0: Man, that's weird. Okay,
1: let's hear there what we you go. got.
0: Well, you know, I talked about basic instinct last week. We, I believe, right? Didn't
1: I? I It all runs Plus together. And, know,
0: right? <laughs> and then we talked about it a little bit I, I, the other day, because I really want you to listen to, you must remember, this, what you're going to do on your trip.
1: I am saving it for the lengthy intercontinental plane ride. That I have in store and a couple major train uh, trips across the uh, the continent, as it were.
0: Well, I pulled together a handful of things about basic instinct that are connective and kind of fun and different than what Karina Longworth is covering. Okay. And you must remember this. And I thought it would fit really pleasantly into the "Man That's Weird" segment um, because there's some little bit of a strange, some strange stuff in here.
1: All
2: right.
0: I started by thinking, boy oh boy, as we've talked, Michael Douglas, what a weird leading man. The fact that he was 48 when cast in Basic Instinct alone is a, is an interesting move, especially for 1992. And so I kind of was digging into Michael Douglas and and um, didn't. It, it, I'm bored. You know, it I'm was. Call you was, Catherine
1: was, Zeta-Jones because oh, you're digging into Michael oh, Douglas. Man. Am I right? The, Folks, they're married.
0: The great... Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> his first wife was 19 and he was, I don't know, 30-something. Anyway, um what an asshole this guy but the great american bird i did it wasn't interesting enough so i went straight for basic instinct and sure enough there is there's a good bit of stuff out there when it comes to connectivity of this film okay some of it is very very minor and niche but i thought you would appreciate it so here we go all right and so on rewatching this which you're going to do when we finally get around to doing our erotic 90s um, series which will follow the erotic 80s series so you got a ways to go but yep. when you finally do make mark Of about the 50 minute point in the film, Beth enters, the character Beth enters and comes into Nick's apartment, and the opening theme song from the Jeffersons can be heard on the television.
2: Uh They get
0: into a little spat, and when she leaves, Hellraiser is on.
1: (laughs) Oh. So there's
0: a couple of fun. I did not notice that. I've never noticed that. Um, 41 minutes in, Nick is tailing Catherine on the Pacific Coast Highway. It's uh-huh. a scene that you probably can remember very – it's a very memorable scene. And passes a car bearing the license plate. You want to guess what it is?
1: I couldn't possibly.
0: Out of time. What a weird reference. That's it's bizarre. Spelt, it's spelled O-U-T-T-A-T-M, but clearly this is a reference to the O-U-T-A-T-I-M-E. From Back to the Future.
1: Yeah, weird.
0: W- why I don't I can't. There was no explanation of why. I don't know what that's all about. But oh, Paul Verhoeven, you're gonna do weird <laughs> shit, aren't you? God bless him. Uh, it contains five actors that have been on Seinfeld. This film uh, so has so Wayne a- Knight. <laughs> yeah, you
1: um, got it. Okay, shit. Is George Sunza on, ever on Seinfeld? Because he no. feels Seinfeldian. It's not okay. listed at least. Um. Well, then I don't know the other four.
0: Uh, Daniel Van Bargen. Yep. Yep. Okay. Stephen Toblowski.
1: Yep, all right.
0: Jack McGee.
1: Jack McGee, okay. Uh
0: James Reborn?
1: He was on Seinfeld? I guess I it don't says. remember that. All right. What it
0: says. So, you know, here's another kind of fun one. Director Paul Verhoeven, mm-hmm. our uh, one true love, had previously directed Miguel Ferrer
1: Is Yeah, in, in RoboCop. In
0: RoboCop. Did you know that that gentleman was at the time and was until I guess probably I think 2003 or something, the husband of uh, Leilani, Robbins, uh, Sorel. Oh, no, I know. I don't know who, that who is. played Roxy. Oh, she played Roxy.
1: Well, you will rem- remember Miguel Ferrer as Albert from Twin Peaks, and
0: yeah, that's right. George that's Clooney's
1: right. cousin, because he's the son of uh, Rosemary Clooney and um, Jose Ferrer, the great Academy Award-winning actor.
0: Well, she he is married was at the time mm-hmm. married to Roxy. who's cast. So I don't know if there's any connection there, like if he was like. Hey, Verhoeven, remember me from Robocop? Put my wife in hey, this film. Who knows, right? Hard to say. You're going to really appreciate this one. Okay. Tom Geary's older brother snuck the main cast of The Sandlot, which the timing seems weird to me, but okay. Uh huh. Into a screening of Basic Instinct once filming was wrapped.
2: Uh, so, like, as a uh. rap
0: party kind of a thing. <laughs> The Sandlot, the, can you, I would love to see Basic Instinct with the cast of A Sandlot.
1: Like now or in 1992? No, no. when they were like 12. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like now it's just like I'm in a room with a bunch of 45-year-old yeah, men. I, I, but, don't, I definitely but don't want to be there now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that That is really amusing.
0: The keychain that Dr. Garner throws down, this is around the 54-minute mark as well, uh-huh. is a Bart Simpson keychain. Yeah. So there's a Bart Simpson reference. Yeah. And then I just have a list. There's also, we may come back with a man that's weird about Basic Instinct 2 because just the fact that that film exists alone is weird. And
1: I've never seen Basic Instinct 2.
0: It may be a contender. I'm about to put it on because it may be a contender for Bad Movie Night because I it won a bunch of Razzies, but also I played the trailer for Basic Instinct 2 before a Bad Movie Night movie. Uh-huh. And it is, I'm just, the trailer is like, do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's like, it's Sharon Stone and she starts to move her legs apart, her knees apart. <gasps> part is it's like Whoop! It's like that's in the trailers <laughs> so i don't know it may i need to watch and see if it's you know if it's wall to wall what i think it is and if so we may put it on the screen for bad movie night it's an it's an option i think uh-huh uh, but i'm gonna probably come back with a with a list of weird ass shit related to that film because i started digging into that wikipedia page and that sort of you know google search and there's some stuff there yeah but i thought we'd end with Oh, my God, on how many actresses turned down the role that Sharon Stone ended up taking. And I don't need to go into too much about how this film – what this film did for Sharon Stone's career. That's pretty much covered And right. You Must Remember This, which we recommend you go listen kind to. Kind of a
1: double-edged sword for old Sharon, I imagine.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Ultimately, it's the it was the good – The good, bright, sharp side of the sword because she made a lot of money and, can, you know, continued to um, get cast in roles. And I think ultimately it did her a lot of good um, to be in this film. But, yeah, I mean, you know, she didn't consent as – the, you know, the big trivia there, right, being that she didn't consent to um, being – having her, you know, entire um, vagina shown on screen, larger than life, if you will. Uh, Verhoeven did that in a very tricky – kind of nasty fashion. But ultimately, she had to sign off on it. Right. And she did. And there, anyway, again, you must remember this goes over that in quite a good bit of detail. And of course, she's written an autobiography that covers that in detail as well. But let's talk through just really quickly the actresses that turned down this role because of the script itself, the amount of nudity, the sort of suggestive nature of the character, et cetera, et cetera. Do you know any of them?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm just going to have to guess based on who I think is high profile enough in 1992 or thereabouts to be offered this.
0: Some weird shit in here.
1: Um, Okay. Lay, lay them on me.
0: Rosanna Arquette.
1: That's strange.
0: I think so too. Ellen Barkin.
1: Less strange.
0: Bridget Fonda.
1: That makes sense.
0: This might be the weirdest one of all because okay. I just don't see it. Jodie Foster. <laughs> what? Where is what? He- Where is everyone's Gaidar? What? What is happening? Do casting agents not have Gaidar? And
1: that was the year after the Silence of the Lambs when she is definitely not playing, you know, a a noirish sexpot no. character in any way. No, that's so weird. Just because? Do you think it's just because like
0: attractive lady? I she, don't know. She
1: proved that she was down for harrowing shit in the accused yeah, or I whatever guess so. yeah
0: maybe hey did y'all see that pinball machine yeah
1: scene? yeah that's yeah that's that's what you want to look <clears throat> at when you're casting basic fucking right, instinct right
0: melanie griffith
1: makes sense daryl hannah makes sense Meryl hemingway eh, that's odd but i
0: think it's a little odd jenna but you know i mean come on i guess but she rating. had done
1: screen nudity yeah in that and personal best and things like that
0: jennifer jason lee
1: which I can see that. Based I on can see
0: it, and also I can't believe Jennifer Jason Leigh turned it. What has she ever turned anything down? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, She's like bend over, okay.
1: Had um had single white female was the year before, right? I
0: think so. That yeah. So that's right. like
1: Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Leigh in that one, but that didn't require I don't as as I recall nudity on either of their parts. Maybe I don't Jennifer, think so. Jason Lee. Jennifer
0: Jason. But uh, Jennifer Jason, that it, it could just be that she turned it down because of a scheduling conflict sure. or something. Yeah. I mean, I think most of these were. We're sort of more leaning towards. I don't want to do this because this role is questionable. Or right, right, right. Um, but Jennifer Jason Lee also might have just objected to the you know sexist nature of the script. Question mark.
1: <laughs> Possibly. Um,
0: Kay Lenz, Tatum O'Neill. Uh huh. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Debra Winger. Uh, Kim Bassinger. Yeah. Here's another weird one that okay. I cannot imagine anybody thinking. Meg fucking Ryan.
1: Well, I mean, then Jane Campion tries something similar in the cut, and the world, like, riots, and nobody sees that movie.
0: I just she can't pull it off, though.
1: In the cut's really good.
0: I know we've disagreed on this, and I don't want to get – I'm not going to get all upset about Jane's work, but uh, I think the casting there is the issue. Julia Roberts also – why even ask her?
1: I could never – I'm offended
0: that you thought to ask her. I mean, I'm sure
1: she was, too.
0: Here's one of my favorites, and then I've just got one more to mention because of uh, kind of a fun double thing on this one. Uh But this one you're going to – this is going to blow you out of the room. Isabella Rossellini.
1: Oh, that would have been a completely different different movie. movie.
0: Not a bad choice. Uh Uh-uh. A very strange choice.
1: I can see it, but I don't know about that, man. I I mean, again, Paul's just like, "Uh, get me the woman from Blue Velvet. She takes (laughs) off her clothes.
0: She's pretty, um, Kathleen Turner. Uh, yeah, you know they always want to put her in a movie with the Great American Bird because they do have good chemistry. They do have great and chemistry. she can Crush him. I think that's the other thing is like I just get a vibe that she could just hold her own with yeah. Michael Douglas and crush his little bitch ass. I
1: mean that's one of the the great things about. The War of the Roses right. is the fact that they their interplay, their their just sheer hatred for one another is right. really tangible and fun.
0: Good on her. I'm I'm Team Kathleen Turner. I, I, I think
1: that would have been interesting.
0: Would have been. But Here's, she
1: she had done Body Heat, so I, she's yeah. probably not looking to repeat herself.
0: You want to hear something more interesting? Uh huh. Supposedly. Writer Joe Esterhaus, which
1: God bless him head
0: to head with <laughs> head to I mean, talk about some some fueling of some fires here. Head to head with our with our director boy here, with, with Verhoeven. Kathleen Turner originally Esterhaus wrote the character of Nick as a lesbian and wanted Kathleen Turner to play it. Yeah. Somebody should make that film. Somebody yeah. should make that film. Okay. It would have been, I mean, Kathleen, at that time, yeah, think about this. That Kathleen would have been good. Turner playing against Sharon Stone I know. and having it be a queer film would not have happened at this time, probably still wouldn't happen today, honestly, with with this level of, of sort of budget. But that would actors. have been fucking what, awesome. How awesome would that have been, y'all?
1: I, and, you know, Paul, I, I, I guess in 92, you know, Lesbians hadn't been invented yet, at oh, least yeah, in the mainstream. They didn't exist yet. It was um, it was
0: another year before we had them. But Actually, by the Sharon time, Stone invented them in this film, yeah,
1: yeah. But by the time we get to like showgirls, and especially you know later in his career, you know his most recent movie Benedetta, you know Paul Paul likes to you know
0: yeah explore it's, that it's territory. Clearly, it's clearly he's clearly got a little lesbian fixation paul verhoeven my goodness but you know the writer too here doing trying to do some interesting things and also wanted michael douglas's character to be bisexual and michael douglas was like absolutely not oh come on dude he's that would have been such a little
1: that been interesting bitch.
0: oh he he does but he's not going to do anything interesting
1: these are he's these are all... like
0: whatever he's like borderline trumper
1: no, he's not. Come on. <laughs> come on. These Whatever. these these are all really interesting ideas that I guess were before their time, you know, because sure. like 31 years ago, I, I guess you absolutely can't do that. But I mean, look at how many fucking boundaries, <laughs> basic instinct as it exists in That's the world true. today pushes for that time period. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very interested in listening to the You Must Remember This episode on that, um, because Basic Instinct is is a very interesting movie in the form in which it exists for a lot of reasons, and a lot of them are not like you know super chill reasons. <laughs> you no. know, everything with Gene Triplehorn in that movie is very very weird. Um, but um, I, you know, that just makes it all the more interesting to think about. And that's Paul for you, man. You know, that's that's his whole. Uh, modus operandi, I'm going to <laughs> provoke you in some really crazy ways and, and basic instinct totally does that.
0: Well, the, the podcast, you know, Kar- Karina's podcast, you must remember this, uh, goes over a lot of things, including the MPAA's role and the fact that like, for example, that what they ended up, they never tell you what they want cut. They're uh-huh. trying to cut back from an NC-17, and they never tell you what they want to have cut, but um, you just have to keep submitting new cuts, submitting new cuts. And apparently, the idea of Michael Douglas's character going down on Sharon Stone's character was problematic. Oh, you can't but, do that. But we could show Sharon Stone going down on him.
1: Well, I mean, so, that you know, was, you know, remember the whole controversy over Blue Valentine when that right. received in NC-17? It was for the same reason. It Y'all, was for. Ryan Gosling going downtown on on Michelle on Michelle Williams and you can't do that. Let's
0: get some equality here.
1: Well, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just not possible.
0: And then the other question that comes up a lot is is this thing homophobic or is it, it or is it, <laughs> you know, is it is it anti-queer? And um, you know, it's it I don't know that I actually will say that I don't know that that's a question that we can sit here and answer and with all of the hindsight and the reflection and the body of work that's come from that in 2023. I mean, at the time considering the other material that's out there and the fact that there is hardly any, you know, media at all right. that doesn't depict, um, you know, queer folks as something other than killers. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough to weigh in now. Um, you know, whether or not the film is enjoyable, good, et cetera, is a, is a different question. But anyway, that's what I've got for you on the uh, strange connectivity of basic instinct. And uh, that's just, that's just uh, like scratching the surface. Yep. Well, thanks for listening to the side talks podcast. We're your own personal cinematic. I guess I could say we're your own personal cinematic Verhoeven and Esther Haas.
1: <laughs> God, uh, which one would you be best of enemies? Um, whew a Dutch madman or uh, a guy assistants. who has taken a very, uh, let's say noticeable right-wing <laughs> right wing swing and in, in, especially in recent years and, and was, I think planning to, to make a movie with Mel Gibson because oh,
0: of course, because that's know, what you do when you take that swing,
1: Joe Esterhaus and Mel Gibson, two totally sane dudes in a room together. That would go super well. Um, so Oh, God. I, I mean, I guess I'd be Joe Estrell also.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I'm, I
1: love Paul, but... Um,
0: I'm happy to take Bear Hogan. Yeah,
1: I figured you would be. Um, I, you know, basic instinct, uh, showgirls, you know, those two, when they get together, make magic.
0: <laughs> and um, But you know what? I actually had it written down as that we were going to be the Writers Guild of America and the Hollywood Studios.
1: Um, this what is, side are you
0: falling on? I,
1: well if we're talking about reality this is a pro wga podcast i would like to say yeah, yeah, yeah i mean unless you're like shilling for these fucking uh billionaires and and just oh, yeah, like bootlicking scab yeah um i mean yeah uh go writers guild get that money get get fair and equitable payment um and uh let's I don't know. Steer out of this streaming dystopia that we've all. Where does <laughs> it can go on for a
0: while? So we'll see. This will be interesting.
1: Um, hold the line, folks. Um, you know they can afford it. Yeah, that's
0: true. Anyway, thanks to Batwell Studios.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks, Brad. You're welcome. And uh, why don't you visit us online at SidewalkFest.com or on social media at Sidewalk Film on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Passes for the 25th annual Sidewalk Film Festival are currently on sale. And as we get further into the summer and closer to the festival, those prices will increase so what you need to do, folks, is you need to go to SidewalkFest.com, get those passes. Get them, A-S-A-P. Em. You're going to want to join us for hundreds, literally hundreds, of short films, feature films, panels, parties, and other special events in downtown Birmingham the last week of August. And it's going to be a special one because it's uh, – the 25th year, and that's a pretty big deal as far as we're concerned. So, so join us um, there, and, and don't forget to join us at the Sidewalk Cinema as well. You can get those tickets online, that website again, SidewalkFest.com. See you there. Bye. Bye.
0: Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.